0: When you have when you have people who who come to your church and whether it be on a Sunday morning whether it be during the week um, who need some type of who need both their physical needs met but also their spiritual needs met um, with, and when you're able to do that it brings you so much joy.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's featured conversation with my dear friend, my brother in Christ, Pastor Corey Cunningham. Pastor Corey and I had the privilege of attending seminary together, and he pastors an inner city um, ministry called Inspiration Church. It's a church plan, and in our conversation, we talk about mission and method and what it means to adapt to challenges of today so that we can be prepared for ministry tomorrow. We also talk about what it means to follow in his father's footsteps and how the world is always changing and we plant seeds today not knowing how God is going to use them further down the road. It's an incredible conversation with a charismatic leader who is doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. Also, while you're listening to this episode, the audio is not typically what we love in terms of the recording. So please forgive me. Uh, I questioned about whether or not we should try to re-record, but the uh, the content was so good that the truth bombs were just being dropped all over the place that I decided to go ahead and um, release the podcast as is. So forgive me in advance, and if there's uh, one thing that you can do for me, what I would love it if you would leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and as always, share the podcast with somebody you know. It's been such an incredible opportunity to see how God is using this ministry and uh, excited to continue to do it as the year progresses and if there's anything I can do for you please don't hesitate to let me know I can be found as always at uh, twmilt, twmilt.com on Instagram under the same name or on Facebook at the Reclamation Podcast with Tony Miltenberger. and now without any further ado here's my conversation with Pastor Corey Cunningham. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's conversation uh, with my friend and former classmate, Pastor Corey Cunningham. Pastor Corey, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Glad to be on here with you. I'm excited to have you. Now, I would like for you to tell everyone how you and I met, um, because we are like kindred spirits in a lot of ways. Especially academically, when we talk about how we met, can you tell everybody a little bit about that story?
0: Oh yeah, it was it was a nice fall, <laughs> <laughs> fall evening in in September about five four years ago. Uh, we walked. I walked into my first seminary class, one of my first seminary classes, I believe it was Old Testament.
1: Oh yeah, who was teaching that class?
0: Uh, uh, Doctor Ward.
1: Doctor Ward, right?
0: Old Testament. And I look over, and I see this cool white guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the first time I've ever been called cool.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I just, uh, you know, of course, we, we, I was new to the campus, didn't know anybody, didn't know how long anybody was there. But uh, uh, I don't think we sat close to each other at that point. Uh, but just during, during, the, uh, you know, during our conversations, during our classes, uh, just as, as you would speak, uh, but one thing I did notice, you know, you, you and I, we we love to work, we love to get good grades. Uh, but every now and then, you know, we, you know, our kind of minds drifting. I say, hey, here's a guy like me, Class is going <laughs> on, he's doing something else. I know he's not <laughs> Man,
1: <kidding. laughs> You and I would hide in the corner of every class, every class that we could. We would yeah, hide exactly. in the corner, and the corner. and we survived. Hey, but congratulations, you you graduated your your MDiv. Um, last may, i mean last may just a couple months ago
0: months ago yeah 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 it was it was it was it was fun it was fun it was great to um you know get to walk across that stage you know hadn't hadn't done that in since my undergrad so it was meaningful time for my family meaningful time for you know for my wife and kids i you know my wife told me she said that you know she talked to me and said it didn't even seem like you were in school because you know i didn't I, I try not to make it hard on them, even though sometimes I was I, I was struggling.
1: <laughs> a lot lot of late nights, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So uh so pastor, tell me, how would you describe currently your relationship with God? You've got an, an MDiv, you're pastoring a church in North Dayton, and um and you've kind of been on this walk now for a number of years. How would you describe your relationship with God?
0: My relationship with God it's what well, I would say is ever evolving, ever growing. Mm. Uh, I've been preaching for 20 years, church all of my life. I'm a church kid, grew up in churches all I know. Um, but been preaching for years, been pastoring now for 11 uh, years. Planted two churches, my second church plant, got called to church. So basically, this is, a third, this is the third church that I have that I am I'm pastoring. So it, it is, it is. It's ever evolving. I, I see God moving in different areas uh, in my life that um, that I have seen Him move before. Uh, it is definitely a trusting relationship. Uh, these past eight years since we started this church, uh, things that I, that I want when we early on started, now I'm seeing come through. Uh, and this this journey of pastoring. And just in relationship with God, period, it is not a, or somebody, somebody else used, said these terms, not a speedboat. It is right. a cruise ship, which means that you got to take your time with God. God doesn't do everything just like that. You got to trust him.
1: So let me ask you this. You, you mentioned this idea about eight years ago, you began to plant some seeds in this church, Inspiration Church. And um, now you're seeing some of those come to fruition. Two things. Um, at the time, did you know what you were planting? And two, how did you know that the seed took? Because I think that there are so many people out there listening who struggle to know if what they're doing for God is really taking root. How, how do you? How did you judge that?
0: Well, I'm be honest with you, I, I didn't know, <laughs> that, and, <laughs> and that's where the faith comes. I, I know, I know what I wanted. I know what God spoke to me about. You know this journey about planning this church so I know what I wanted to see out of this church and uh, I really didn't know if it was taking I was preaching it doing series on it you know kept repeating it but I didn't know if it was if it was taking root and that's where the faith comes in which is which is challenging because when you have in your mind that this is what you want this is how you want it and you're not seeing it you begin to question yourself am I doing the right thing am I saying the right thing Am, am I even on the right path it is truly a faith journey. Um, and so many times we read stuff and we, we hear people, you know, t- you know, talk about how, you know, if you want something, put your mind to it, it'll come to pass. I believe that's true in some sense, but I believe that a lot of people leave out the faith part. And the faith part is, God, this is, this. I know this is what you want me to do. So God, I'm gonna wait until these uh, seeds begin begin to grow. And as even as the scripture says, kind of take it lightly, but it's true. It says one plant, one water, God gives the increase. Uh, And so a lot of times we plan and we want it to immediately sprout up. Uh, And even through this journey of seminary helped me understand that this is a a long process. This is a marathon, not a sprint.
1: Now, what's interesting for me about your story, having known uh, bits and pieces of it, is that for you, uh, ministry is kind of the family business, right? I mean, I mean, your your dad was a well known pastor in in the Dayton area, um, and your sister is also a pastor. I mean, like your entire family is in the church. So, two two questions around that: one, what was it like growing up with a dad who was pastoring in in a community? And two, um, what's it mean now to be kind of in this family? I mean, use the word "family" as loosely as possible. Family business.
0: Uh, well, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, I'm a third generation pastor. Not just my family, but my wife's father was a pastor as well in Lyme, Ohio. So okay, uh, for both of us, yeah, this is the this is the family business. Um, growing up, this idea of church again is all I knew. Uh, so my dad, you know, we were at church, you know, all the time. I didn't know anything else. You know, we weren't. So confined to the church that I didn't live a life. You know, now, did,
1: was it denominational or non-denominational? Denominational. So I was born and raised Baptist. So that's like two hours on Sunday morning, two hours on Sunday night, two hours on Wednesday?
0: <laughs> close, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> close. I was on Sunday morning is right. Uh, my father never really asked me to go to the evening, which they called back then BTU. Which is Baptist training union, and that's where they uh where they taught you how to be a you know all the Baptist tenants and stuff, so he didn't force me to he didn't force me to go to that uh, but in terms of what you know Baptist uh, you know you can put me in a Baptist church now I typically know I can typically navigate because that's where I grew up
1: and so what's it what was it like um what were some of the stories growing up as a as a pastor's kid, I mean, we, you and I both have um, kids. What are what are we doing to ruin our kids right now? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I can tell you one one thing that I'm that I church was again church was everything um, you know for us. So you know we had to be at church. We had to go to Sunday school. Uh, that was just something that we had to do uh, back then when my father passed. There was a lot of there's a lot of uh, church fellowships, and so we fellowship with a lot of churches, annual fellowships. So even now, I can remember those fellowships are still going on today at the church where my father used to pastor. Every year, our church and another church gets together for Easter. Every year, our church and another church would get together for Thanksgiving. Every year. Uh, so those kind of form, and they form relationships and friendships. Uh, so church was typically everything. thing that I'm doing different, my wife and I decided to do different, is not not to have not to over church our kids. Mm. I don't think I was over church, but I knew we went to church a lot. And I my wife and I made a decision that we would never uh allow our kids to we don't want our kids to hate God and church because of us. Uh, so we kind of limit church fellowships because kids they want to do other things. Uh, so um uh, but there are sometimes my kids now you go you we got church again, especially when we want to play ball. Uh, So I I believe that, and I think my father did a good job as kind of balancing out church. However, I have two older brothers. Um, I was different. I demanded my time with my father. Uh, so, So there were many times when I would just jump in the car with him and go to the church. And my brothers didn't do that. They were doing other stuff. So their story may be different than mine in terms of, you know, you know, were they over church? I just wanted to be close to my dad, so it didn't matter where whether where was whether it was the church whether it was traveling with him doing when he was doing revival. Uh, I demanded that time. So I think I'm kind of different. I'm finding out that even when you grew up in the same family, each sibling's story is a little different.
1: Do you uh, do your brothers go to s- s- still go to church? Are they active in the church now?
0: Yes, my middle brother is actually the percussionist here with me. Uh, my oldest brother is actually serving as the minister of music, uh, where his wife pastors, uh, which is my sister-in-law. So, yeah, they're very, we've been very active in church all of our lives.
1: Man, you guys are you guys are killing it, and and kudos to your parents for being, you know, get getting them all in. You know what I mean? Because I, I my biggest fear is a pastor, and I don't know what you if you guys have the same thought, but man, I'm thinking I just don't want my kids to turn away from God because I. I chose to follow this calling into, into the church world. And, you know, some of that, again, like you said, is the faith part of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that's a dangerous thing for all, I think for all of us who are involved in ministry, but I think it's, I think it's a matter of balancing out uh, our lives, you know, to making sure that they, they don't see this all every day, but they know this is the foundation uh, that keeps us together. But, you know, our culture, my culture is different, you know, particularly if you, if you're black, Oh, you go to church on Sunday. <laughs> you're going to church on Sunday. We got church on Sunday, we got church on Wednesday. The other stuff, you know, you know, other days during the week we're doing extra stuff. We we may let you slide on that, but Sunday and Wednesday are church days.
1: You're going to church. You're right. Right.
0: You, you're going to church.
1: Okay. So you, you mentioned something about balance, and I love to talk about balance. Um, so I, I think I think our families are probably a little bit more the exception than the rule. Uh, I bet you there's a lot of people listening right now who have families with kids and um, church may not be at the top of their priority list. And instead of, of being at church, and you and I have talked about it before, you know, statistics tell us that the national average for church attendance in a month is, is 1.6. Yes. So if, if you're talking to that mom or dad out there who is um, ch- trying to bring faith into their family but also play competitive ball – Um, any sport really, or or even science Olympiad or whatever. Um, What what kind of advice are you giving them? What what word do you have for them? Ah,
0: that's a good one. Um, What I would say is, again, you got to figure out which is going to bring your child um, foundation in their life. Mm. Uh, We're talking about playing pro anything, Statistic statistically, only two percent of children are going to make it the pros in anything, whether it be basketball, football. So a small number. And so while I applaud uh, you families for you know pushing their kids in sports, understand what's going to what's going to bring your child foundation. What's going to happen? You know, I just read an article that LeBron is the fifth oldest NBA player now, and he's only thirty six. Who? He's the fifth oldest. I mean, and for NBA now, that's dinosaurs. If you're coming out when you're 18 and you know, he's been in the league 18 years, so he's ready to retire. <laughs> so what are you going to do after that? What's going to be your foundation? So what I would say is find, find some way to connect uh, with God. We have all these smartphones. Now most churches uh, have uh, live streaming, um, other ways that you can connect Find those ways to connect so that you can connect to God in the foundation and the local church, even if it's a virtual local church. I tell people all the time, we are. I get messages on Sunday morning and saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm at my sons and my daughters' track meet, basketball game, football game, but I'm watching, uh, and so I'm paying attention. So I, I think, and I think it's helpful for the for the church to reimagine what does church look like in 2019? Is it, is it just brick and mortar? Or can we conflate brick and mortar with, with a virtual church or uh, however you want to do it, have church on different days, even like you're doing now, have a, have an hour zoom church, 30 minute zoom Bible study. I see so many people having doing Facebook live 30 minute Bible studies. Mm. We have to reimagine how, how we do this because people are, you know, they, they, they most people are tunnel vision. Yeah. I Succeed in this so I'm gonna put all my effort in this and so we forget about everything else And I think it's our job as ministry leaders and people who are sent by God to say, okay, let me let me show you You can do that and do this So my advice to them is just find if nothing more than just before you go into the game Pray with your kids read a quick scripture with the kids um, You know hop on a live stream real quick even as you're driving to the to the game
1: Certainly. Uh, yeah yeah.
0: You know, hop, do do, what, do whatever is necessary. And I think it is our job as churches to provide those different mediums um, so that people, if you got to go to a church early in the morning before you get on the road to go. Um, I, I think the best advice, and for me as a parent, I have four kids, they play ball, is again to really tell our children, this is, this is what I want you to do. This is the foundation that I want you to have not negating anything else but you at some point you have to say okay sports is not everything you hmm. need a foundation you need something in your mind that's going to keep you even when your body may give out or even when you excel in doing good in sports you still got to have a good mind if not you're going to do, do some crazy stuff
1: yeah uh, certainly there are so many examples of that in professional yeah. sports yeah young men and young women who were so talented who lost everything because they weren't grounded in anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, so let me ask you this at inspiration. What is the most, and I kind of lump all this into a term that I like to use called digital evangelism. Okay. What's the most exciting thing that you guys are doing to reach people digitally?
0: I would have to say our, um, our live stream, we live stream through our website and through my Facebook page
1: and I, I watch it sometimes cuz i mean you can preach oh uh, well thank you. thank you i'm still practicing i'm still learning <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think what excites me most because you just you just quoted the statistic yeah that you know 1.6 is a regu- you know a month is a regular attendee
1: and the crazy part is they would call like that's their like they would still call that their home church like oh yeah. I, I i'm in that church i'm there yeah. i'm active like yeah, yeah, I think if if we look at balance anymore as four times a month, I th- I think people are crazy. It's just it's drastically changed.
0: Yeah, if if I could if I could see ten, if I could see fifteen percent or twenty percent of my 10 percent, actually four times a month for six months straight. Oh man, I I think I could die to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just it's it's just a reality. And growing up in church, I actually saw the shift uh, in that. I mean, it it was it broke my heart. Growing up in church, man, I would go to my dad's church. It would be packed on Sunday. Uh, the church where my dad pastored, the seating capacity is 1,200, maybe more. And it was packed every Sunday. And then to go see and see other churches uh, in our area, every church just about full to go to what it is now, so it really excites me that when I'm online and I can see the reports, to see how many people watched on Sunday, I realize that even though uh, physical attendance at church is declining, uh, it's not all declining or all dying, it's just we have to find new ways of bringing mm. win. And so when I see that online, when I see people comment, people say, Pastor, I'm sick, but I'm, I'm here, I'm online. Uh, I just think of each other, Okay, you're here too. You're here too, and so uh, uh, that's the way I think about it. Some don't. Some have canceled their online because they're they're mad that people don't come. And my question to them is, but when you canceled it, do they come?
1: All right. So, yeah. <laughs> how's that How's that working for you? <laughs> how's that
0: working for you? I mean, so uh, so so that that is, and I wanted I want to do more, uh, and and now time is allowing me to do that. Now that I've graduated, you know I'm able to do things, you know, like you're doing this. Zoom podcast and other things that I see other people doing that I haven't been able to do before. Uh, When we had the ice, the snowstorms in the wintertime, uh, we had service. I recorded from – I did live stream from my home.
1: Yeah, uh, from – yeah.
0: From my home. So although we didn't have church in the building, and and I don't know how it is in other cultures, uh, but a lot of times within the urban context, and and I'll just say, be, be real candid, most black churches, that when you don't come to church, you don't get no offer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> to, to, help, to help you do ministry uh you know so to being able to do that and even some bible studies do conference called bible studies and to see people and to respond yeah and to hear hey, pastor this is a, this is this is a good thing can we keep doing it uh i actually almost got to the point where i was gonna cancel my regular bible study and just do it all online because seemingly more people were involved and and again People argue, tell me, well, people just lazy, don't want to come. Eh, well, if you work in two or three jobs, you're tired of seven, but you can sit at home with my right. legs propped up, and you know, in my PJs and my scrubs or whatever, and hear a Bible study and get the same content. You know, I, I just think we got to be available for that. So to, for me, digitally, live streaming, um, and it doesn't cost a lot.
1: Right, super, the, lot the, the the cost barrier to entry is, yeah. Um, is good, uh, you know. One of there's so many th- places I want to go. Uh, something to share. I I heard recently a statistic that said that the most fought after space in the marketing world today is a mile from people's homes. Wow! And it, it's because people don't want to go out again, and so DoorDash, Uber Eats, all of these places have become um, just incredible market shifters as it pertains to this and, and the church is, um, the neighbor, the resurgence of the neighborhood church could be a part of that. And, and I yeah. would consider both of our churches to be somewhat neighborhood churches. Yeah. Um, the, you, you mentioned context and, and you used the term black churches. Uh, you know, obviously restoration would certainly not be that we're more of a suburban church, predominantly white. Um, what's it like, how, how would you describe, um, urban ministry? for people who have never experienced it before?
0: Uh, well, first of all, let me clarify when I say yeah, urban is more than just black. I, I do want to say that. Urban. That's
1: that's a fair statement. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah.
0: Urban, urban is more than just black. Uh, however, I'm speaking from my particular context. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there, there, are, there are pastors who pastor on the east side of Dayton who would still be considered urban ministries. Sure. But the majority of the congregation is white uh, you know, or you have a Latino church, whatever it is. So urban is more than just black, but it is urban ministry. Um, it is, it is how can I explain this? It is rewarding, but also challenging. Um, it was rewarding in the fact because particularly for me, um, I, I just believe that Jesus, the whole ministry of Jesus was to the least the lost and the left out. Yeah now a lot of times you know when we when we think of that of course it doesn't just mean that jesus is only for uh those who are poor those who are you know disenfranchised uh jesus is for everybody Uh, but when you look at the ministry of jesus the challenges that jesus faced or the people that jesus challenged the most in terms of doing ministry and helping others were to poor people were to those who are disenfranchised whether a word to those who had some type of angst against a certain group of people. Uh, so for me, that's, that's Jesus ministry. Hmm. Uh, however, at the same time, you know, th- there are millionaires who need Jesus too. <laughs> right. Right. <Certainly. laughs> there are people who need an Oakwood who need Jesus too, when you look at all different kinds of things. So we all need uh Jesus. So I, I do want to clarify that. Uh, however, when I look at the bulk of Jesus ministry, it was to the, it was to the poor. It was to the oppressed. In fact, Jesus said uh, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has He has anointed me to pr- bring good news to the poor. He has anointed me to bring good news uh, to the disenfranchised. Uh, when you read Matthew 25, it talks about when I was hungry and you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Uh, so it's rewarding to know for me uh, that I'm following in that jesus ministry footstep of course there are some poor who are poor in spirit but sure. also poor, poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i think i think i think whatever context you find yourself in wherever it is i think god puts you in that context to serve as as you have been anointed to and as you have the natural ability to Merge with the power and the anointing of God to do it. And I think you ought to find joy in that. Um, so for example, I don't think I would, I would feel as good pastoring in a suburban church. Sure. Because of the way I've used, I've used scripture. People say, Oh, I wish I could pastor, you know, in the urban context. And you might want to rethink that because. <laughs> you
1: know, well, okay. So let me ask you this.
0: Let, let, let me get, let me get to this. Here's my yeah. other side. Yeah. Here's my other side. That's the rewarding part. The challenging part is is you don't have a lot of resources to do ministry in the urban context because you know we talk about tithing we talk about giving but just a lot of your resources don't come from the congregation that you serve so now you have to be creative and find other ways uh, to raise funds to bring because ministry costs money so that you can do so that you can meet those needs within that urban context uh, and that's the challenge. And so that's when you have to have partnerships and relationships with people who may be able to, uh, to sow into your ministry. Sometimes it takes a lot of self sacrifice uh, to do that, you know, so, uh, so it is both rewarding, but also challenging.
1: Is there a story that comes to mind for you that exemplifies the type of ministry that you do maybe an encounter with somebody, or something that's happened at the church? that, that you can think of that would kind of illustrate the tension of the type of ministry that you do?
0: Oh yeah. Um, actually I have several stories, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you one just on a, on an everyday basis. Um, when you have, when you have people who, who come to your church and whether it be on a Sunday morning, whether it be during the week, um, who need some type of, who need both their physical needs met, but also their spiritual needs met. Um, with, And when you're able to do that, it brings you so much joy. When you're able to have somebody come in who's hungry and you can actually feed them food, hmm. but then at the same time, pray for them and see tears from their eyes and, And, you know, or see people that they're getting ready to give up and you're able to do something, even if it's not a lot, but you're able to do something for them. Um, Those are just those are just examples. Um, One major example, um, actually, last year, about this time last year, um, we had the opportunity and I won't say opportunity because it was a sad occasion. uh, Two young ladies uh, overdosed and died. Mm. And uh, one was a member of our church. Oh, wow. The other one was her sister, oh. but she wasn't a member of our church. And um, they asked me, could they, you know, they wanted to have it in a funeral home. And I said, listen, I said, well, that's what I do the service. And I said, sure, I'll do it. Uh, but they wanted to have it in a funeral home. And I said, the funeral they're having, I said, there's no way if you have them a double casket funeral, they're going to fit in the funeral home. So it's just going to be really overcrowded. I said, listen, have it. Have it at the church, we'll have it. And so um, to be able to minister to that family who were hurting in that way um, and to be able to even provide certain physical things for them was just amazing to us. And it just so happened uh, a class was being offered at United and they wanted to come and tour the church and visit the church and sit down and talk with us. And the first we were going to cancel I said, no, what better way for a class at United it wasn't even my class or just another class. What better way for, uh, I believe the, the class was called out of poverty. Mm. And they wanted to come to an urban church. And I said, what better way for this class to come and to actually see urban ministry in context and live and in action. So, have them come this week so I had them so while I'm preaching in the sanctuary my wife is talking to the class about urban ministry. (laughs) And for them to see that. um, Because of course they could have came when it's quiet and nothing is going on. uh, But I wanted them to see really the center, ground zero of urban ministry. Uh, And this family did not have none none of these neither one of these young ladies, they had children, they did not have any life insurance. Uh, they did not you know they had no means of on their own providing for funerals so they had to do certain things. Our church helped in some sense uh, and so those are the things that happens in urban ministries uh, every single day uh, they just go unreported.
1: Well you know the, the beautiful part about what you're saying there too pastor is that um, it really illustrates the tension between the need for a a, a digital church, and a physical church,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, because it, it, the truth is, is that um, you, you know, when when that church member is struggling in, in the midst of her addiction, uh, she's not coming into this building, probably. Right. right. You know, she's not coming into your building. She's she's just gonna go about and so, but she's friends with you on Facebook, I bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and and so. Um, that engagement is so critical. It's, I, I'm more and more convinced that the internet is the new lobby of the church, but at some point in time, when people need refuge, uh, they will come in the building.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's, and, and again, that's the challenge for the church. How, how do we, how do we, particularly if you're, if you're pastoring if, and for those who may be listening, who have, uh, and maybe like in your case, going into a church hmm. and now trying to reimagine how do we do ministry from this church context. And it's getting those people to understand, I, I would say I have the advantage. I started my church. right. So I kind of started with the idea this is what we need to do. Uh, but going into a, an, an established church and you're trying to get people to see, Hey, you want them to understand, although this building is not used by our members as it used to be, it still needs to be present. Because like you said, one day, somebody's going to come in and they need to be here. Yeah. And so what you got to do is reimagine, well, what can we do with uh, the extra time and space that we have? You know, you got to come be creative. Something I don't know if I told you about that we started doing is that a few months ago, we now have a Spanish-speaking church. Okay. Come use our building after we get out of service
1: no kidding
0: and no yeah and so we said hey you know we we got this church we don't use it all day on Sunday. right so another church who was who was starting a I minute mean, and this spanish church um the church is based out of cincinnati and there were a few people from the dayton area would drive to cincinnati and go to their church and so the church decided well we want to start a church in the dayton area so they don't have to travel as far mm. and they I don't know how they heard about us. They reached out and said, hey, can we use your building at certain times on Sunday? We said, sure, no problem. And so this is another way, you know, allow our building to still be useful, be useful for God, uh, and allow this church to come when we're not using it. Uh, uh, and again, that's, that's the challenge of ministry in 20, 2019, to, to have this digital virtual church, but also utilize the structures that we have even if it's not us occupying them all the time? Can we use them for the glory
1: of God? Wow. Uh, You know, and I think that there's probably a lot of people listening who aren't in the church space who still need to hear this message because space and logistics are changing at such a rapid rate. And anyone who's worked in um, retail knows that because Amazon is killing us all, right? Like, I mean the, the 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 outdoor malls and all those kind of places. It's all changing. So, yeah, what a good reminder that um, the mission remains the same, but the methods will change. Yeah,
0: and you know, I just found out about Amazon. You mentioned that, and this is something that we may have to consider uh, in church in some way or form. Amazon now has hubs where I can order something from Amazon and. I'll give an example, go pick it up at Menards (laughs) because that's a, that's a hub drop off. I I just noticed that. Well, you know,
1: what's crazy about that is is that Menards wins on that and and Amazon wins on that. And like, uh, we're lowering costs everywhere we go. What would it look like if instead of church buildings, we had church hubs and, and the gym was here, and the, the the courts were, you know, recreational centers. I mean, I love that kind of diversity of thought around the topic yeah, of, yeah. of church. Uh, so you you mentioned your dad. I want to hop back there for just a second, because okay. uh, you said that your dad, and, and I kind of know his reputation, I never had the privilege of meeting him, but um, he was a, a powerful preacher in the Dayton area, well known from all accounts, and um, I've even been in rooms where uh, people would identify you as your father's son, which is, is both uh, probably a little intimidating and a little honoring. I mean, tremendous honoring, I, you know, it's clearly a man who who impacted people for the kingdom of God. Tell me, um, wh- what's it like to be in a pulpit knowing that your father, who your father is? I, I mean, like I imagine there are lots of people who are trying to live into expectations what's that feel like to you on sunday or whenever you're teaching or how how does that resonate and sit inside of you
0: oh man um the the pressure is there because although my father was a local pastor uh as you said uh he was known throughout the city not just the city but even nationally so following in his footsteps and pastoring in this city uh, even not pastor, even even though I'm not pastoring the church where I grew up and where he pastored, uh, the pressure is there. In you know, in terms of you know, making sure that I'm doing kingdom ministry as he did, mm. uh, you know, because uh, and I, I I don't apologize for it, but I also I don't run away from it. Um, my name has a has has. My father's name has a reputation in the city. When you say any time you mention Cunningham in the city, somehow someone's going to think about my dad. Yeah. Uh, so and so, starting a church. Well, first of all, let me let me say the real challenge part to those who are listening. Uh, and this was this is a really kind of a tough point in my ministry. Was the church I was called to again, and and at this time I've been away from Dayton for ten years. I was called to a church, but basically I'm like LeBron coming back home yeah okay i'm coming back i'm coming did back. did you
1: home. have a tv special
0: <laughs> no i did <laughs> but i'm coming back home everybody knows about it so i get to the church only at the church for a year but the church is blowing up it's exploding i mean over 200 members in one year most of whom by baptism joined this church
1: praise uh, god
0: church is growing kids are growing things are moving fast and but there was an issue between the established leadership of the church and me coming in where they couldn't we couldn't figure out who who was the leader of the church was it them or was it me and God or was it us together and so what happened was <clears throat> they locked me out of the church
1: no i mean they yeah. they oh, like physically like changed yeah. the locks
0: yeah it was lock, lock lock lock
1: lock stop me. it stop yeah. it tell yeah. me tell me that morning when you showed up at church what happened
0: well it wasn't on a sunday it wasn't on a Sunday,
1: but still Sunday. on Monday, you're the only person that's rolling into the office.
0: Right. I'm going to the office and, uh, and it was, and what, what, actually what happened was they had a church meeting without you without. No, no, I, I was there. They had a church meeting. Okay. For
1: okay. The,
0: for the Baptist church. For those who don't know, the Baptist church is uh, what I call uh congregational democratic.
1: Yeah. So, so you, everybody can take a vote.
0: Yeah. Everybody votes to decide what happens. Well, mm. The, a small group of people decided they didn't want me as the pastor, mainly mainly those who are in leadership, the treasurer, the uh, finance people, much of the deacons and trustees. And so they tried to say, hey, you know, we're giving you this letter to resign. Make long story short, give you this letter to resign. If you don't resign, we're going to fire you. So, you know, of course, I'm not one to lay down. I said, well, you can't fire me because you didn't hire me. The Church voted me here. So if you want me gone, the church has to vote. So uh, a few weeks later, we had a church meeting. I mean, packed like Sunday morning, well over 300 people in attendance. And uh, basically, with all the stuff that went on in the meeting at the end, the church as a whole decided to vote to keep me as the pastor. Okay. So I knew that there was still going to be some fights and some arguments. I just didn't expect, expect that they were going to lock the church on me. Uh, so a Tuesday came after doing a funeral on Monday. I went to the church on Tuesday to get some stuff. Doors locked. I go to the other door. Doors locked. Wasn't paying attention. Finally, I looked up and I see this note on the door. Uh, church closed until further notice. <laughs> I said, uh-huh. No service this coming Sunday. I said, oh, they locked the church on me. I would heard about this happening. Stop other it. People, other people. But then when it happens to you, but then, you know, first thing I started thinking, of course I called my wife and I'm thinking, well, you know, now what am I going to do? I got to provide for my family. That was the first
1: thing. Right. Now. Cause I, peop- I think people do really underestimate, like yeah. there is a, there is a tension in, Hey, I'm pastor, but I'm also a, a husband, father provider. Yeah, And so yeah. it it's a strange, strange tension.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm first of all thinking about that. And then, as the days go by, I'm thinking of here I am, John Cunningham's son. Hmm. I come home, regardless of people knowing the story, I get locked out of the church. Wow, what do I do now? Do I pack up and leave and go somewhere else? Do I stay? What a what a wow, oh man! What do I do? Uh, and with my wife and others, you know, I said, you know what? I'm gonna take the ministry God had put in my heart, and I'm gonna do it as as a new church. And historically new church plants in the city of Dayton, within what I call the black urban context, usually doesn't last long. Yeah. And so I was facing that challenge and and
1: even Why why do you think that is?
0: uh, Well, in, in, in my context, it is because within the black community, Dayton is typically a traditional church town. Okay. And it's a traditional Baptist town. So anybody who has started a church that's not outside the Baptist community, uh, it doesn't last long. Number one, because it's hard. If you don't have a building, a lot of times people don't think you're a viable church. You know, uh, like, you know, um in in Dayton within the black community and maybe some other communities, you know, if you start a church in a movie theater, something wrong with you. If, if, <laughs> you know, it's not like Mosaic, you can start a church in New Creek movie theater and then explode.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh, Right, and, even, and I saw that in Nashville. Here is it's different. We're more traditional, and so for us, you need a building. And so, uh, starting this church, even now, sometimes I think about, man, if I if I fail at this, if I fail at this, what will people think of me being what my last name is? Uh, and so, sometimes, and you asked me earlier, my relationship with God again, trusting. Like I said, God, you, this is what I know you told me to do. So I got to trust you. Uh, to do this, so it could, it it, but also it has its benefits. Uh, being my father's son has its benefits. There are people who have blessed this ministry, and not just in a monetary sense, in other ways. Yeah, because of who I am, because of who my father was, um, th- there have been things that I've been able to get involved with. Doors have been opened for me because of who my father was. Uh, so again, it's again it's one of those balanced things. You know, it it has its challenges but it also has its benefits that I don't, that I don't run away from. If I need to use them, I'll, uh, I'll use them. You know, again, I still have to wrestle with that tension and that challenge of fulfilling those shoes. But, but with this idea, not being the exact same as him. Uh, a lot of times that's a challenge. If you, if you have a powerful, um, parent, you know, a lot of times people think you should be the exact same as him. Sure. And I think what has, what has helped me, what has helped my legacy, I to say the most is actually starting the church because I'm non denominational and, and I'm pastoring a, a church plant that I planted, but still doing some of the things in the community and other things that, that he has done just in a new way.
1: You kind um, of separated yourself from the job.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so I'm so i still fulfilling a legacy, so to speak, right. but it, it isn't in the same lane or in the same arena as him, but it's still a legacy that I'm fulfilling, which I'm grateful for uh, because, uh, and I'm grateful that even out of that portion is out from under the shadow of who my father was, particularly within the, within the Baptist denomination.
1: Now, you mentioned something there that I thought uh, would be worth going back to about hearing God's call, because I I think that there are so many people who wrestle with God's call. So you were not in the state of Ohio when God called you back here, and you were um, really clear about your God calling enough so to walk away from that uh, locked door situation and plant your own church. So two things. um, How would you articulate God's call in your life, and how did you hear it?
0: Uh, Well, great. Well, I actually got called into ministry before I left uh, Dayton. Got it. Yeah, I I got called in ministry uh, in ninety eight to call to preach. I kind of knew then that I wanted to pastor, um, and it wasn't just so much that because my father was a pastor. uh, Once I accepted that call to preach, I knew the pastoral ministry is what I was wanted to go into, uh, and what God was leading me into. Um, You know, it, it took took me to go go away to understand that, but how I got into church planting. Now, that was truly almost like a uh, Moses in the burning bush moment. <laughs> because, you know, when I started to preach, yeah. I, I just knew, you know, I would do like everybody else did. Fill out an application, you know, get called to a Baptist church and pastor that Baptist church until God says leave and go to another Baptist church. Uh, or they lock the door. Yeah, yeah. where they <laughs> lock the door. Well, in my undergrad, one of my class, I had one more class to take in my undergrad, which is American Baptist College. Um, and I got my undergrad degree in, in Bible and theology. And uh, I went to my uh, guidance, my uh, the dean, and uh, he suggested, I said, well, listen, you got one more class to take, and the only class that I could take was a church planting class. Uh-oh. And I said, well, I don't wanna take no church planting. I was in the mindset, there are enough churches. Why would I take a church planting class? He said, just go take it, take it one, just to get the grade so you can graduate. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, you might enjoy the class. All right. So I had the mindset going in. I'm going to debunk this idea of why we need church planting. You were cynical. Like, yeah, I was saying, That was my mindset. we don't need we don't need no more churches. We got enough churches. And I got into that class and I started off doing it, but then as the class got going, I started to see the need of church planning and and how beneficial it was to bring new people into the church. Again, I liked the class, but I never thought, Hey, I'm going to start a church. I'm not going to do it. And, uh, so we were, my wife and I was involved in the church. I was basically associate pastor and, uh, and we just, we just both of us had this wrestling in our spirit. This is not where we're supposed to be. Wow. And what
1: physically, did it feel like heavy?
0: Yes. It felt heavy. It felt heavy. Thing, things that we thought, things that my wife and I saw that could be beneficial for the church in doing. And we were doing ministry, don't get me wrong, we were doing ministry, but there was just so much more that we thought that we could do. And, you know, it was an established church, traditional church, and just wouldn't budge on it. pastor was, you know, things that we thought he should did, he wouldn't do. So we just had this wrestling, like, okay, there's some, we gotta do something else. And it's not going to another church, but what is it? And I tell all men, Uh, sometimes the Holy spirit sounds like your wife.
1: Oh, amen. (laughs) Amen.
0: And so one, one night she woke up and she said, she told me, she said, I just feel the Lord saying to us, start a church. And I had to, she woke me up and I had to say, you know what? You're right. And so we start, we started a church in Nashville, Tennessee,
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Uh,
0: we called it Raymond Church. Now it's called the Refreshing Springs Church. I believe it's still in existence, so who we left it to. Um, but we were young and everything, Nashville was growing fast. So we thought, okay, we're going to grow fast. And though we started in 2006, and from 2006 to 2010, when I moved back here on a good Sunday, It might have been 15 people. No, man. On a good Sunday. I mean, that was a good Sunday. And, uh, you know, devastated and uh, three kids now, about time for us to move. And so we was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe God will bless us better or maybe things will be better if we move back to Ohio. That's when we got called. I didn't want to start another church because I was frustrated because I thought, ah, maybe this ain't, maybe church planning is not the thing for me. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to go back to the route of what I know. I applied for a Baptist church, got called to that Baptist church, and a year later I'm locked out. Here I am again.
1: I'm still having a really hard time getting over that locked out thing. I, I don't know. Like if, hey,
0: man, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy.
1: Church people are mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, mean. And and the thing is, the thing is, I don't hold anything against them. It, it was and they really didn't have anything against me. They just didn't know how to handle where I was in ministry based upon where they were even now, even some of the people who were a part of locking me out, they tell you, because I've heard stories of people telling me that, that they've said this, that uh, they really didn't want me to leave. They just kind of did that just to kind of get me to slow down and say, okay, I'll do what you want. I'll, I'll do it, you know, I'll go along with what you want me to do it right now. And I just I just wouldn't do it. And so when they locked me out, here I am again, I am now planning a church again, Yeah. but I, but I tell, I, and, this is, and this, is how, this is how I know it was God's calling. The same things that I wanted to do. Uh, we took a church planning class when I was in Nashville. One of the questions was, if you had all the money in the world, what, and money was no obstacle, what would you do in ministry?
1: Yeah.
0: And my wife and I, we went home and did a vision board. And do you not know the vision, board that we lost, by the way, we don't even have it now. Wow. Things that we put on that vision board we're doing now. And we don't have all the money in the world, but we're still doing it.
1: Oh, praise God. Come on.
0: One of the things that we said we wanted to do was start a a school. We started a school in January of 2018. Uh, Okay. The school has grown so much that, uh, we have a waiting list of wow. Preschool now. Now we're talking about adding kindergarten. All of the all of this was on our vision board to have a school way back in Nashville. Wow. And so to those who are listening, I will say this. We say it as cliche sometime, but it's true. God's delay is never God's denial.
1: Mm. Say that one more time.
0: God's delay is never God's denial. Uh just because you're delayed in something, I mean, this is 13 years later from even another city. Things that we want to do, I'm actually doing it now, and so that gives me strength to keep going. And so now, now that I'm older, when things don't work out, when I think they should work, ah, it's all right, and it's just maybe it's not for now.
1: I mean, you're not that. I mean, can I'm I? Not that old. I, I was gonna say because I'm
0: not that old. <laughs> I'm not that old, but I started preaching at 20. 20-
1: Okay, so you've been in it for a while.
0: Yeah, I started preaching at 20, and uh, in in 2006, how old was I? My math ain't that good. I, mean, I guess I need to go back to school. I started preaching at 98 in 2000, which I was 20. So I was 30-something when I started my first church. Wow. In Nashville, and now I'm 41. I'll be 41 in August. And so things that I'm seeing now, stuff that I want to do back in – in 2006, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Now that so eight, nine years later since I left Nashville, and you know, 13 years after I started that church, I'm seeing stuff that I had seen. And so when you're talking about, you know, you mentioned earlier, how do you know when stuff, you know, when what you planted takes hold? Yeah. Uh, here here's here's my answer to that. If it takes hold in you, it becomes takes becomes your, it'll start seeping out of you and it may not take hold in everybody else and your leadership team and your church members right away but if it's still your passion if you don't give up uh the scripture says don't be wearing in well-doing in due season oh you will reap if you faint not and so i'm telling everybody don't faint give it give god time sometimes god doesn't have to work. On you sometimes God has to work on the people okay and and a lot of times we you know sometimes God is God is moving God is always moving and so you're blaming sometimes God has to work on them and you let God work on them Uh, and doesn't mean that you walk away from it it does not mean but you you just learn how to say okay God I'm gonna let you do what you do you keep putting it before them this is what we want to do you keep putting in the atmosphere you keep it fresh within you, you keep it your passion, and it will come through.
1: Well, and let's be honest too, like you're taking some serious shots along the way. Uh, oh, I, mean, yeah. all the, I mean, this wasn't like, a, I, think, I think sometimes Christians have this kind of thought process that their walk with God is gonna be a walk in the park, but this isn't that, kind I don't think we serve that kind of God, like, I mean, you probably experienced every emotion in the world, from your church plant in Nashville to your call in Dayton to your, where you are now. And, and anywhere along the way, you could have given up. But your obedience and faith in the process prevailed. I love that. I think that's such an important message. Obedience and perseverance through the lens of faith.
0: Yeah. My, my wife and I, we kind of jokingly do it, but it's true. We kind of laugh at people when they tell us about they've been through church hurt. We kind of laugh at them. We tell them, "You really don't know church hurt," because uh, church church hurt is different.
1: Yeah, define that for us. Define, because I bet not everybody knows what that means.
0: You know, first of all, everybody has their own experience.
1: Sure. So
0: I, I can be hurt by you. Hurt, hurt is hurt. There's no question about that. To so minimize the hurt some people have, but when you are so involved with something. When you are have spent your life, have given your life to something, and you're hurt out of that—that that hurt I won't say is more, but it's different. Yeah. Versus you come to church and you know, for example, uh, you you just joined the praise team and everybody else got a mic but you, and you get upset that you don't have a microphone, and then you talk about oh I, I was hurt by a church because they wouldn't give me the microphone. Well, honey, you can't sing. <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah, you can't say you don't need a mic. Yeah,
1: you need <laughs> but, to be but, muted.
0: Yeah, but, but now, I'm not minimizing that person's hurt because they may feel like that this is a place now that I could be wanted, or mm. but it's different when you have given your life for this ministry. I mean, you you know you are in it. You've been in it all of your life, and then to have those very same people, some of those very same people, even some pastors who would call me after my father died. Hmm. This is my son in the ministry. Those very same people turn their back on you and try to run you out of town and do all that kind of stuff. It's just a different church hurt. And so I tell people, listen, it's amazing how we are so, so many people are so quick to give up on God in church, but everything else we stick with. Uh, I say this all the time. We leave church so quick, but yet we stay in abusive relationships. Wow. But Yet we leave God. We give everybody else another chance, but we don't give God another chance. And so I use ourselves and, you know, I, I try not to make myself a heuristic device or personality, but it's true. I'm a living witness that if you stick with God, like you said, obedience through the lens of faith, God will come through for you no matter wow. what. And it, it, it doesn't even have to be church. You can be a spiritual person and in business, starting a restaurant, starting a, uh, any type of business. And you're a spiritual person, same thing, obedience through the lens of faith, God will come through for you. Uh, and you just got, you just got to stick with it and persevere.
1: I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I think that what you're speaking there is going to be true for so many people. Who are 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 hearing God's call trying to follow God's call but yet it still feels really far away so thank thank you so much for that word
0: oh no problem yeah.
1: um let, let me ask you this as you think about um what's God's next for you I mean you're kind of living into everything that God's called you to and there are a thousand places I can take this conversation because I just enjoy talking to you so much but how do you know what what is how do you know what is next? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you, you just kind of did say that you're getting everything that you could possibly want out of that dream board eight, nine years ago. I mean, what's, have you created another dream board?
0: Well, well, no. I mean, we, you know, every, 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 every day, every time we think about it, you know, new things come up. So we haven't accomplished everything. What I'm saying is we're starting everything. Oh,
1: I got it. I gotcha. you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because on that, on that board, I, I actually want a school that goes all the way through college. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, you know, I want a Christian school that goes all the way through college. So, so I'm not saying we started. And I, I will say this. I don't think we, you're ever finished. Hmm. Uh, I, I look at the life of Moses. God gave Moses a vision. Um, and the ultimate vision of getting to get the promised land, Moses never experienced with the people. So I don't expect to complete everything that every vision that God has given me myself, my kids, or person who comes behind me is going to do it.
1: Yeah. Your uh, spiritual children.
0: Yes. Yeah, spiritual children. So, uh, I don't think I'm finished. Um, I just think we just, we just move to a different, a different plane. So my wife and I are even preparing now for us, to retire maybe 20 years, maybe 25 more years, this, you know, maybe sooner depends on how the, how the money's going, maybe sooner.
1: Uh, (laughs) Careful. You'll start a riot in the church. and they think the pastor's retiring?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, so we are kind of preparing for that because we know uh, and I've seen it and and I'm sure you've seen it where some pastors just stay too long. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be that pastor that stays too long. Um, You know, if I'm fresh out of stuff, it's time for me to go. Yeah. If, if I don't have anything new uh, to bring, it's time It's time for me to go. If I can't adjust with the times, it's time for me to go. So we're kind of preparing for that now. Uh, and I would like to be able to, when I do retire, whenever that is, is to be able to offer my wisdom uh, to younger pastors, uh, pastors who are either going into church, established churches, pastors who are either uh, planting their own churches, to be in whatever mind I have left. I would not even mind um being an adjunct professor somewhere. Oh know, know, I, just,
1: I, hey listen, I'd go to your class. I'd sit in the back <laughs> I'd sit in the back left hand corner.
0: Left hand corner, you know, talking of other stuff. <laughs> 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 but 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 like how we do it answer when when a question needs to be answered we, yep, know, we know we listen we know we just we just can't sit here the whole time and look at you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. For, for those who are in seminary, we are still saved. We still love God. Mm. Uh, we just have shortened attention spans, you know, and we just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, and that's just, that's just real. And that's one thing I like about pastor Tony is that he was real like me. Listen, I can't sit in this class all day long and, just, mm. and, and just sitting and listen to this
1: lecture. I'll be um, honest, me completing seminary was an act of grace in yeah, itself.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 We, uh, we, we, we digress we with that so I, I, I would love I would love you know yeah to have to, you know just so I'm, I'm already thinking about life outside of, of and even though I have not been pastoring that long um, only been pastor since 2006 so that that's, would be what 13 years yeah that's, I've been preaching for 20 right uh, so that's a long time preaching I, I started out early and God afforded me the opportunity. To travel a lot and preach a lot, you know. A lot of times, people who start out preaching, it takes them a a while—a while—to preach on a regular basis. Well, I was preaching on a regular basis even when I first started. There wasn't too many Sundays that I wasn't preaching.
1: Well, God's given you a powerful voice, so it makes sense.
0: Well, thank you. you He's—you know—I, he's blessed me with it, so I'm gonna hold on to it as long as I can. So after twenty, it's twenty-one years this year—twenty-one years of preaching. uh, You know, I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm actually looking out. That's still the number one thing for me. Um, yeah. Howard Thurman says, don't ask what the world needs, but uh, ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Preaching is what makes me
1: come alive. Amen. Amen. And hey, listen, people should w- tune into your live stream on, on Facebook and all that stuff and, and get dialed in and see some of your sermons. Because the moment that you start, uh, you start putting that towel in your hand, uh, you, it's got a preaching towel, which is, is very common in the black church, right? It's a preaching towel. Um, and in the moment that starts going to the, uh, your forehead, I know things are about to get really exciting. It's my favorite part of every Pastor Corey sermon. A, here it comes. Here it comes. Here comes the hammer. True uh, or false?
0: True or false? Well I'm, well, I'm. you're You're right about the towel in the black church. Uh, however, for me, the towel's right. I sweat a lot. <laughs> well, I know,
1: but you're sweating because you're getting worked up the gospel just yeah. works you up
0: <laughs> yeah 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 I I'm, I mean I, I am I'm a traditional now as far as uh, you know and, and this is where, where methodology and message come together in terms of my preaching that's probably one of the methodologies that I've come that I've stayed with in the way I grew up uh, my father we call it hooping hooping yeah hooping clothes and whatever you want tuning whatever you want to call it
1: uh, I and it's, from, it's it's more rhythmatic preaching. If you've yes, never heard yes, it before, it's yes, it's yes. almost like. Um, uh, how would you describe it to somebody that's never heard it before?
0: Um, I would I would descri- I would describe it as possibly, uh, African chanting. Yeah, exactly. it's
1: al- it's almost singing. I, I was yes, going to yes, say yes. it's almost it's singing. singing. Yeah. yeah,
0: it it is it is it, and it does it comes from Africa, and you know th- that whole culture of. They chanted, and not just Africa, but even in even still now in the eastern part of the world, when people pray, they pray in rhythm.
1: Yeah, Orthodox. I mean, I, I grew up Catholic, and yeah. the Hail Mary can be a lot like that. Yeah. When you get a group of people doing a decade yeah. of the rosary, it's, yeah. it can sound a lot like that. Very rhythmic. Yeah, yeah rocking. Uh.
0: And, and so we just do it in,
1: in preaching. Uh, and, so and in I, loud I, tones I, with a lot yeah. of personality. It's incredible. Yeah. I love yeah. it.
0: Yeah, so I kind of stuck with that, and that's the that's the art form that I grew up on, and the art form that I love. I mean, I, really, I love it, but being in seminary and and you know expanding, expanding my view of preaching, learning, you know, I, there are times where I purposely do not do that just so people can know it. I can still give a good message without you know right. without without doing that.
1: Well, your message is good because of your study, not because of your delivery. But,
0: but and and I. And I say that, so people ask me what kind of stuff do you people ask me, I said, well, I, what I do is called treaching,
1: teaching and preaching? preaching
0: mixed together. Yeah. I, call yeah. It I try I call to do them.
1: a little bit of that too. Teaching and preaching is generally, I think the best, uh, from what I found people want passion, but they also yeah. need good content.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, just like anything else, you got to have it in balance. Cause there's some churches you get all teaching, you be like, "Oh Jesus, I forgot about everything I said."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: everything I was said. I'm so right. tired. I, I, there's some. Sometimes if you get too much of, of the other stuff, rhythmic stuff, and you ain't said nothing, you know, I feel good, but I ain't got no substance. at when I leave, and so again, for me, I'm just the balance. And everybody doesn't hoop. Everybody doesn't do that. But you know, at some point, one of my best classes uh, was by Dr. Frank Thomas yeah and he his class focused on his book called uh, the celebration style of preaching and basically the idea is really tying in or balancing out the meat of the message and the emotion and the, the heart of the of the preacher uh, or heart of the person rather uh, it's almost basically it's, it's a balance between the head and the heart uh, gotcha. the 13 inches between your head and your heart and so you want to you want to help people in their mind but also you want you want them to know I feel what you th- this word comes alive the Bible says the word the word of God is living and active and you want that to be in people's lives and again depending on who you preaching to because uh, as you know when we did the pulpit swap
1: I didn't hoop at your church right No, that's true <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, I mean, you got, you got a little fired up. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and that's
0: just naturally who I am. But of course, you know, your context
1: is right. where
0: you're preaching. You know, I, I, I wouldn't go to Westminster Abbey and try to hoop. Right. I, if I was the priest there, you know, I'm, i I would use, you know, the talents and the skills I learned in terms of my intellect. Uh, so I think it's just a, it's just a good balance. So I love what I, I love what I do. I love what I do. Uh, but I know I can't do it forever. Um, so,
1: so let me ask you, this is so the last question I always like to ask okay. my guests. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you, you may have heard it. But the last question i like to ask is, if you could go back and tell young, uh, brand new preacher, Corey Cunningham, one piece of advice, one piece of advice to give your younger self, what would it be?
0: Ooh, it would be to discipline myself more. Um, in terms of study, Mm. I think when I first started out, um, I didn't have as much discipline and when I mean my study, I would study what I was preaching, but I would not, I would not take it further and study, study for self, study for self. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's what I would do. So, you know, I spent a lot of time studying to preach, but I did not discipline myself to study for self, and that has proven even to be a struggle for me now. Uh, mm. If you told me, Corey, I'm having a service at my church at five o'clock, could you come preach? I could go study a scripture real quick and come to your church and preach it, and you would think I spent you would think I spent all week studying for it. Uh, but I st- even now I still struggle with studying for self. So. And, and I would say to any young preacher, regardless of culture, yep. young, religion, Christian. young Christian, young Christian, let's just say that. Yeah. Young Christian, study for five, discipline yourself to study for yourself. Uh, that's what I would tell young Corey, study for yourself, not just for preaching.
1: Would young Corey listen?
0: <sighs> <laughs>
1: Don't answer that. I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> uh, well, no, you know, that's good. Um, I, I've heard that question before. Well, I, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I I would hope he would. I think he would. I think he would hear. Uh, yeah. But I don't. I, I I don't know if he. I don't know if he would. I would hope he would. Uh, but yeah, that that would that would be my that would be my advice
1: that's that's great man well you know what i i so appreciate you being on the podcast today um i feel like you and i could talk for hours I, i'd love to have you on again and i i really do want to have a conversation about the difference in um kind of the culture of church between um between our, our different settings and talk a little bit more about the pulpit swap and some things that we both probably learned from there um but i, I in the meantime if our listeners want to listen to one of your sermons, or they want to get caught up with you, where is a place that they can go to find you on the internet?
0: They can go to my Facebook page. Um, it's under Pastor Corey Cunningham. Um, I, I do periodically post uh, videos and uh, audio messages from my inspirationcity.org. Uh, so any one of those places, I, we do, our church, the Inspiration Church, has a YouTube channel.
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: so we post stuff up there. So those three places you can uh, you can find messages. Uh, if you're local in the area, we do have, we are on um, DATV.
1: I right, Dayton Public Access, right? Yeah.
0: I think it's channel 992. Uh, and I can tell you exactly um, what times we come on. I think it's on, we come on on a Tuesday and a Saturday. Yeah, Tuesday and Saturday. So Tuesdays at 11.30 p.m. and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. And that's Time Warner, Time Warner Only, digital channel 992. So that's our uh, that's our weekly uh, television uh, broadcast.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. And we'll uh, we'll link to uh, all of your websites in the show notes so that if people want to get in contact with you or they have any questions, uh, or they need some of that wisdom from that experienced preacher. Um, I, I'm sure you'd be more than happy to help them. Uh, so, so thank you, thank you so much. Any anything that we didn't cover that you uh, that you want to share with uh, me or our listeners?
0: Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It's such a great honor uh, to be asked by your your peer and classmate to come on and be on this podcast. Uh, and let me say, I I do appreciate and I see all the work that you're doing. Uh, again, it it takes courage to kind of go to an established church, established denominational church, and kind of reimagine it uh, and and do ministry in awesome ways. So I uh, I appreciate what you're doing and, and believe. Oh, thanks, it. man. Yeah, man, it's it's you're doing an awesome job. I, again, different context, but ministry is still the same. Uh, you know, and you're doing ministry in the context that God has given you. God is I'm doing ministry content God has given me, uh, and and I always tell people, um, you know, this is the last thing I always tell people: don't compare yourself to anybody else's ministry.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: bloom where you are planted. Amen. Uh, bloom Amen. Where you're planted. If you do that, uh, you won't get exhausted. You won't you won't have as much stress. The ministry is stressful anyway, but you won't have as much stress because you're not comparing to somebody else. So I, I do I, I appreciate you and I appreciate your friendship. Uh, um, that that me and you have and your wife and my wife has. I I, I appreciate that. I
1: love it. Me too. Thank you. No problem. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode with Pastor Corey. I know that you loved this conversation as much as I did. Uh, I find that when I have a conversation like this with such incredible friends that um, my spirit is always a little bit renewed. And so my prayer for you today is that your spirit is renewed in the conversation and that maybe in the midst of all of it, you picked up something just for you that maybe God had intended for you and that in that process, uh, you might see something a little different that you didn't see before. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. I can't wait to see what God does in you and through you. And, uh, Hey, I look forward to seeing you guys real soon.